still in the glow of remembering and celebrating the resurrection. And so with that in mind, we turn to our text of emphasis today. It's found in John chapter 14 and verse 1, more of Jesus' teaching on the nature of who he was. And so we read in John chapter 14 and verse 1 these words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas uh, said to Jesus after hearing this, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then another disciple, Philip, said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered again, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works I've done themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will also do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray. Oh God, as we consider these words of Jesus, I pray for insight and understanding today on what kind of relationship you're calling us into. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't let your heart be troubled. Uh, What in the world is Jesus talking about here? I mean, maybe this is good advice for the first century world. But if anyone is paying attention today, they must know that the world seems like it's in a desperate condition. And that being troubled is the natural state of the 21st century man or woman. I mean, trouble seems like it's all around us. I was uh, commiserating just yesterday on two separate occasions and, and will admit to being somewhat troubled at the, uh, the, the state of uh, that things are, are going on in the, in the world and the, and the country. And I, I think regardless of your ideology or your political leanings, it's hard not to notice that uh, things seem to, to not be going well. Discourse is, is almost completely gone. People can't even talk with each other without, without yelling at each other. And so the, the world seems at, ill at ease. 
Yet when we think about Jesus here, we might say that he's talking about a very a specific incident when he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And certainly this is uh, true. In fact, uh, Jesus' command here in John chapter 14 is following his assertion, a surprise assertion to his disciples that one of them, one of the 12, and they've spent three and a half years now hanging out with each other on a regular basis, that one of them is going to betray him and that's going to result in his death and the death of that person. And then he goes further to say that another one of the disciples, one of his closest companions, is going to deny that he even knows him. And so, yes, uh, Jesus' assertion, Jesus' command to not be troubled was, was in regards to a very uh, particular and troubling uh, situation. And yet, the words don't be troubled weren't just for those disciples in that time, but they're for all of those who will be followers of Jesus, even those of us today. Don't be uh, troubled, and yet we live in such a troubling uh, world. Don't let your hearts be troubled. This was not the first time that Jesus made such a, a statement in maybe his most famous sermon uh, found in Matthew uh, 5 and 6, often called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we read this from Jesus. I tell you, this is Jesus again, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. And so this theme of don't be troubled, don't worry, is one that is throughout Jesus' teaching, and we find that even the newborn church picked up on this idea, a church that faced, by the way, a lot, a lot of persecution in its early days. Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the great communicators of the good news about Jesus, writes in his uh, letter to the church in Philippi this, and this is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayers and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so this, this theme of not being troubled, don't worry, don't be anxious, is one that runs throughout the New Testament. Now, I know the world has had its ups and downs over the centuries, but it's hard to not feel like the magnitude of current global events uh, just seem like we're at a, some kind of different stage. I mean, there's just so many troubling uh, things. And even if crises aren't actually larger than they were at times in the past, the fact that technology allows us to communicate what's going on in the world, it just feels like there's more things that are happening because we're more aware of them. And these all are elements that trouble us. I mean, to, to hear about the atrocities that are, that are happening in certain places around the world, it's hard to not be... Uh, troubled. And so Jesus' command not to be troubled is disconcerting. We live in a, a troubling and broken world. Consider again that, uh, that list from the World Economic Forum on the great global challenges the world is facing today. And this is their top 10 biggest global challenges, according again to the World Economic Forum. Food security. There are many places in the world where uh, people can't get access to, to good food. And some, some statisticians tell us that up to 40% of children in the world aren't sure where they're going to get their next meal from. And so food security is a huge issue. Can we provide enough food for 
everyone living on the planet. We can produce it, but can we get it to places that need food? These are real issues. Income inequality, it's no secret that income inequality is a great problem that the world faces. We have the, the super wealthy and we have the super poor. And those seem to be getting further apart and the, the middle seems to be dissipating, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And so the World Economic Forum says income inequality is a big problem. Unemployment, climate change, global finance, Internet security and privacy it was just this week, right, where a ransomware, uh, a ransomware attack was made. 13 countries were, their, their, their Internet infrastructure was attacked, and that this is just increasing. And so Internet security and privacy is a major, major global issue. Uh, gender equality, again, no secret that gender equality is a huge, huge issue in this country and in this world. I was uh, talking with a friend of mine, a couple of days ago, we had a breakfast together. He works for an NGO, and he was uh, telling me that he'd just become a board member of uh, a small organization that is working with young girls in uh, central Kenya, in the Samburo uh, tribe, tribal region of Kenya, and uh, that the organizer of this group that he's now become a part of who is going to be at Avon Hope, by the way, in, a, in two weeks on May 27th. So you may want to mark that on your, on your calendars. Her name is Josephine Kulia. She's founded this group called uh, Samburo Girls. And she's working to rescue girls from things like early marriage. Many of them in danger of getting married as early as nine years old. And there are so many other atrocities. You can go to the website for Samburo Girls, and again, you'll be hearing from Josephine in just a couple of weeks, things that I don't even want to share with you this morning. But you can imagine atrocities that are going on in the world when it comes to gender equality. Global issues. The world is a troubling place. And so the World Economic Forum goes on. Global trade. Can we live as, a, as, a, as a, a world that has fair global trade, long-term investing in global economic health. Can the world keep growing in the right way when it comes to economics? And finally, uh, health care. And of course, this is near and dear to, to many here in the United States. I mean, we can't, we can't even figure out how to, to talk about health care in this, in this country without getting angry with each other. And so these are challenges. And so it seems like a troubling world then we think beyond the, the global concerns. We think of uh, the personal challenges that many of us here are facing, uh, maybe regarding income or even employment. We have those here in our community who are looking for employment, been looking for some time and can't find employment. There are those who are, 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 are feeling troubled over relationship issues or uh, the, the death of someone that they care about or, or, or illness either from themselves or a loved one. And so all of these things are, are troubling. And finally, we, we, we think about the reality that contemporary Western culture has ingrained us with so little hope about the potential for the future. I mean, we're told that... Uh, you know, we're made from the stuff of stars, from, from space dust, and that, that uh, we live a, a life, and once that life is over, that's it for us, and there's, there's no more. And what, where's the hope in that? The hope for a, a new kind of future. And so uh, even our, our hope is taken uh, from us. 
these are troubling times, and there doesn't seem to be, to might be much hope, at least in the secular world. And so how can Jesus come and say, don't worry? Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's easier said than done. And so we think back to, to the story of Jesus talking with his disciples. It's found in John chapter 14. And again, verse 1 says that Jesus said to them, You believe in God. He's talking to, to, to people who are religious, to these, these good uh, Jewish men that have become, have, are following him. And he said, You believe in God but believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If, they were not, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So amidst this troubling news that Jesus has just shared to his disciples that one of them is going to betray him and die and it's going to result in his own death, and that another one is going to act like he doesn't even know who, who Jesus is, that amidst this, Jesus has good news. I'm up to something. In fact, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take care of you as well. And then he ends with, you know the way to the place that I'm going. Now, you got to love the man Thomas. Two disciples are described here in John chapter 14, and the first one is Thomas, who will be later... Uh, given the, 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 the nickname Doubting Thomas, which seems like a real bummer for him, for all of now human history, that he's, he goes down as Doubting uh, Thomas. But we see why. In verse 5, he asks a very good question. Thomas said, Lord, what are you talking about? We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And so Thomas is thinking very practically, like, you have not given us any directions. Where is this place you're going? We don't know where you're going, and we certainly don't know how to get there. He was anticipating, I would imagine, a map or some kind of news about a, a horse or donkey that was going to come and take him to where he was uh, going to go. He's a practical guy, this, this guy Thomas. And so Jesus responds very straightforwardly to him. I am the way. I am the way. And so <laughs> we can only imagine uh, Thomas's reaction to what was a very, very blunt assertion. I am the way, says uh, Jesus. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is a, a profound statement that Jesus is uh, making, that he in him embodies the way to, toward the future. That in him is the embodiment of hope for desperate times. That when, when you're feeling troubled in him, there is a, a future. I am the way, says Jesus. And so he's asserting that he himself is an answer to all their questions. Now, like many of us, uh, the disciples aren't done with their inquiry here. And so uh, Philip speaks up and he says, okay, okay, Lord, all right, why don't you do this? Show us the Father. Show us God the Father and that will be enough for us. All right. All well and good, you're making these claims about yourself. You are the way, but why don't you just show us the Father. Show us God the Father and then, then we'll get it. That will be enough for us. 
How many of us have, have done that when we're feeling uh, troubled and, 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 and Jesus' assertions about himself uh, haven't really clicked for us? Just, just show us a little bit more. Jesus responded to him, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you for these three and a half years, don't you know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, has seen God. Well, it's, you just can't get around the fact that Jesus was so overt in communicating his identity. I mean, Jesus really doesn't leave any room for anyone to identify him as simply some enlightened philosopher roaming with good advice around the, the, the earth, right? I mean, with statements like this, I am the way, the truth, the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Either a nut job or something else is going on here. The famous C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian writers of the 20th century, makes this familiar statement about this Jesus and how he talks about himself. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis' book, Mere Christianity. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Don't be confused. A man who said the things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. I mean, you, 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 we, we, we can't be confused that Jesus is, is just some moral teacher going around teaching us how to live a good life because he went much further than that. He said things that would be crazy if they were not true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen God, you've seen me. He's so overt. And so back to Jesus' command not to be troubled. And we're left with a very distinct uh, decision. Do we uh, continue to live lives of fear and anxiety and, 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 and being troubled? Or, or do we take Jesus for his word and rely on him, that he is capable of doing things beyond our understanding? Do we put our faith in him, the one who claims to be the eternal God, yet who walked as a, as a human being in the first century. What's our decision going to be? In the Gospel of uh, Luke, uh, this is written, this is Luke chapter 18 and verse uh, 7. It says that this is a great promise. God will bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a great promise, right? Hey, the world is in need of justice. It's a broken place. It's a troubling uh, place. It was in the first century and it still is today. There's atrocities happening. There, there are, are, are people that are hurting in, in need in this world, and there are people who are hurting in need right here today who are, who are bank, bankrupt emotionally, if not financially. Jesus 
promises that justice is going to come. That God is going to bring justice. But the great question is, is anyone going to believe this? Is there going to be faith on the earth? Jesus returns, will there be anyone who has embraced God's work on their behalf and actually believe that God can do, that Jesus can do what he's promised to do? It's a valid question in a troubling world as things get more and more and more troubling, whether in your own life or globally. Will we have faith that God is able to do things beyond our capacity to see or understand? And so we come to another great promise found in the book of Philippians again. We read the first part of it earlier, Philippians chapter 4, and verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Again, a bold assertion. Don't be anxious about anything. And then verse 7. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The implication here is clear, and that is that Jesus doesn't just give us these commands. Don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Without filling that with power. And that power is if you embrace what God has done on your behalf through Jesus, God enables you to live as a person of faith. And that faith can grow your courage so that you can look at the trouble in the world that you can look at the trouble in your life and not be afraid. You're not going to do it on your own. If we're relying on ourselves to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and, and, and overcome fear and, 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 and the trouble that's in our, in our windshield, we're not going to do it. The promise of Jesus as, as we embrace him, God gives us something that transcends human understanding and that our hearts and minds will be guarded in Jesus. When I read this, I was reminded of another little devotional book called Steps to Christ. And in it, there's a really profound um, sentence about this idea of a prayer because Philippians chapter 4 says that prayer is such an essential part of this idea of faith. And in the book it says this, Prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouses where are treasured the boundless resources of God. That there's something powerful about prayer. And when you think about it, you know, if you, if you, if you believe the, the Bible story that, that God has endowed every human being with free will. Every human being has the ability to choose for or against whatever, including for or against God, that prayer is that one way in which we can express our free will, that we're getting on board with God and we're asking him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That is, 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 is what prayer is. If anything, it's our acknowledgement that God is able to do what we're not able to do, and so we go to God in prayer. And, and so here in Steps to Christ, the idea is that prayer is a key. Prayer opens the, the, the door and that God is able to, because we're now exercising our, our free will and saying, God, we want you on board with us. We want you to do what you can't do. Then God is enabled. And that we will have peace 
that transcends all understanding. Peace that transcends all understanding. And so if you're here today and you're feeling troubled, if you're feeling uh, worried about the state of the world and global affairs and the World Economic Forum's 10 list is, is, is troubling to you, this is good news. But, but, but if, if that's all too big and far away, if you're troubled about something uh, much more personal, if, you're, if, you're, if your finances aren't where they need to be or your relationships aren't where they need to be or you're hurting because you're, you're, you're missing a loved one, we can take heart that as we exercise our free will and, and invite God to be on board with us, he can do in us what we can't do for ourselves and give us peace that transcends all human understanding. If belief in Jesus is the key to living a life of peace amidst troubling times, and Jesus has promised that Whoever believes in him will do his works. There's also good news about the here and now and what God can do for us in the very present. Not just help us to live without trouble in our experience, but help us to live for the healing of a broken world. You know, uh, too often when Christians talk about uh, the good news and it's often presented in the future, that God is going to do something good in the future if we believe in him uh, now. But the message of Jesus is that this is not just something that happens in the future. That God isn't just going to rescue humanity in the future and give us a new perspective of the future, but God works in a person's life now. And Jesus said as that happens, a person becomes enabled to do things just like Jesus did. This is good news, I think, for a broken world. That we're not just waiting for God to restore things in the future and God's going to, as the last book of the Bible says, make all things new. That God wants to work through people who have faith in him now to help a hurting and broken and troubled world right here and now. That our eyes will be open to see the, the brokenness and that we will, will our, and our peace will transcend all human understanding and that we will able, be able to work for those who are hurting and in need and broken. That we can uh, respond to atrocities or things by, by whatever means that God gives us to, to bring peace and healing. Recognizing that all things will be made new at some point in, in, in the future. And we look forward to that day. But here and now, people are hurting and in need. So uh, we can be part of God's uh, restoration. As we wait for the final restoration God enables those who have faith in him to do even greater things than Jesus did himself. Those are Jesus' very words. You will, talking to his disciples there, but to the disciples throughout the ages, you will do greater things than even I have done. And so, despite living in a broken and a hurting world, the follower of Jesus can be encouraged because God ultimately will bring things and rectify all things and bring things to end, but God also promises that he'll work through those who embrace him to bring healing to the world here and now. We can work to bring justice and healing and hope during this interim period between the time when Jesus came and the time when he will come again. So today, again, if you are feeling uh, broken, if you are feeling 
uh, troubled, if you're feeling worried, if you're feeling anxious, Jesus speaks to you, don't be troubled. And it's not just an intellectual assertion, it's believe in me and I can do in you what you can't do for yourselves by giving you peace that transcends all understanding. But when that happens, when you embrace God's work, God is going to start doing things in your experience and making you a messenger of hope in a broken world and help you to bring healing and restoration to places or people that are in need here and now as well. And so this is a twofold promise. You'll have peace and you'll bring peace. You'll have peace and you'll bring peace. You'll have peace and you'll bring peace. These are the words of Jesus. And so may we, in Jesus and through the work of the Spirit, be people of hope, looking forward to a new future, but working now toward justice and healing in a broken world here today. Let's pray. Oh God, every time we're confronted with the real words of Jesus, it's a little disconcerting. In this passage in John chapter 14 has a number of elements that make me even uncomfortable. And so I pray that uh, you'll help me to overcome that. And then that each of us today, those of us who are hurting, those of us who are in need, those of us who are broken, those of us who uh, feel troubled, that you'll give us that peace and help us to have the faith in you that we can become messengers of hope in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.